coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Right Hash, the college football playoff edition. Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson here uh, with you. We hope you had a great holiday. Um, as those of the Jewish faith say, Christmas came late this year. Uh, joyous Kwanzaa to those who celebrate. Everyone getting ready uh, for the new year. Um, Alex, how, how was your, your Christmas, man? It was good. It was really fast. You know, those, when Christmas is on a Saturday, it almost just doesn't feel like it's, it, it gets a special place sometimes just because it's on the weekend. Like you don't have like an actual day off from it. Um, so it just feel, it felt like it flew by. It was a fantastic day for me. I didn't go anywhere. I'll be traveling and, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, uh, to South Carolina for our second Christmas. Um, hmm. how about you? I understand that you were, uh, you were on the road. I was, I've kind of gone up and down the, uh, the Eastern seaboard a little bit, but more inland. So I, I drove up to, uh, to Pittsburgh, met my girlfriend, uh, that's where she lives. Uh, we drove up to her family's place in uh, western New York, just over the Pennsylvania line outside Erie. Um, and then we, we had Christmas up there, and then we came back down, uh, stopped in Charlottesville, saw my parents, uh, my family, uh, visited some of our old favorite breweries and restaurants in, in town. And actually, I actually just got back about an hour before we started this recording. Uh, so this is a, we're not going to say this is a cobbled together episode because we've known exactly what we're going to talk about uh, the whole time. Uh, it's just been the timing, you know, now, now it's the time to, to preview the college football playoff. And as such, this is not episode you might've noticed is not going to be titled uh, sequentially with the rest of the Roman numerals. We're just going to, we're going to have this one be just the college football playoff preview edition. Um, and that comes on new year's Eve Friday. Uh, college football is sort of monopolized uh, that, that holiday. I know we have like the winter classic the next day and all the new year's six bowls. I mean, I'm sure there's basketball NBA and stuff on new year's Eve, uh, but it really is all about college football. And for, for those of you working, I'll, I'll reiterate this later, but uh, the Bama-Cincinnati game is slated to kick off at 3.30 p.m. on Friday. So if you're, uh, if, if you're hoping to, to view that and you're working, just keep that in mind. You're going to need to have a TV nearby during your work day if you work traditional hours and don't have the day off, like myself. Yeah, a lot of people don't have the day before an official holiday off. Um, I, you know, I being uh, working in sports, I last year had the Camellia Bowl as part of Marshall's broadcast team on Christmas Day. So I had like the only broadcast in the house. It was actually nice. I had Christmas by myself and then saw people later on. Um, so really, the date hasn't mattered so much in, in recent years for me since doing what I do. I am frequently hard at work during the holidays anyway. See, I usually go, and not to drag this out, this is just kind of us catching up, but uh, I usually go to South Carolina uh, the one week after Christmas, and I'm almost always in South Carolina for the CFP games, and my family in South Carolina, they just have, like, basic-ass cable, like CBS, Fox, you know, just your normal channels. So I actually rarely get to watch the CFP games, so I'm really excited to sit down nestle up and you know i'm gonna have work on in the background but i'm gonna be watching these games very intently very excitedly yeah definitely it's gonna be awesome man and then the next day 
next day, New Year's Six Bowl games. Uh, we'll get into those a little bit. We're going to preview the college football playoff. We're going to talk fantasy football coming up here in our first segment. Uh, we just want to wish that you had a good holiday. I uh, wish you continued uh, good holidays with New Year's coming up, especially a few shout-outs. Uh, Miles Speed over at Speedy Custom Sneakers. Um, we hope he's doing well on his winter break in his senior year in college. Hope he's getting in some work on the sneakers. And Earl Sturdivant, uh, Slim Sweets, I'm sure he was hard at work as well, uh, baking stuff for the holiday season. And Zach Burhans, uh, our voiceover artist for, for the intro, which our, I think you might have noticed our new intro. Shoot us feedback on that. Twitter, at the right hash. Uh, I put that together. We put that together with one of our favorite songs. Uh, we thought it was time for an update. So uh, I'm glad that, uh, that I, I was able to uh, hobble together that uh, and make it sound good. Yeah, it sounds great. And before we get started, um, we, we had we had Arm on on here last episode. Real quick, don't want to get any, into anything, but just want uh, on behalf of the Right Hash uh, and, and our, our our family, send our thoughts and prayers out to the Kachecki family uh, this time of year. Uh, they've had a really rough last couple of years and uh, hasn't gotten any easier, particularly recently. So just want to let all of them know, Armon. Uh, Everyone out there in the Kuchecki family, we're thinking about you and uh, we're with you in spirit. Yeah, if you didn't catch Armand on our last episode, go ahead back and uh, give it a listen. Uh, that's been one of our more popular episodes uh, since we started recording. But speaking of Armand, he beat me in fantasy this week. It was a, uh, wasn't a was a game that meant anything. It was a consolation round. But that's two losses for me to him this season. And that, that really bums me out, man. <laughs> you know, uh, Armand's always got a sneaky team because he's always got one of those like upper middle pack teams that just literally any week could go off and beat you. Uh, you're never safe playing against Armand's teams. Armand has never had a bad year that I can remember uh, in fantasy. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I, I did not get a chance to play him three times this year, obviously. Um, but I think he took the one match we hit we had. I was hurt by the loss of Leonard Fournette. And Tampa Bay's offense, at least temporarily, was hurt by the loss of Leonard Fournette uh, before they got to play the Carolina Panthers to cure what nailed them. Uh, but he was one of my biggest producers this year, most consistent producers. Looking back on this season, I, I looked at my run game. I, you know, Fournette and Najee Harris were my running backs. I kind of, at the beginning of the season, they were a bit of a question mark in my eyes, and they turned out to be my most consistent producers. Yeah, Other, than, really... other than George Kittle, sorry. And you, you really have to just kind of consider it winning the running back lottery with the two-headed monster there in Tampa because the way the season ended last year, I think a lot of folks thought that Ronald Jones, Rojo for short, um, was the you know the kind of gaining the favor of Bruce Arians. And um, literally right out of the gate this year, he fumbled a couple of times and just has been in the doghouse since then. It was nice to see him. You know, it, it's not, not great circumstances that he got the start this weekend, but uh, he had a he had a great game. Uh, got a, a good amount of carries. Had a couple of catches. A nice touchdown. So, um, so that's someone that the Bucks are going to be relying on going into the playoffs. Uh, ha- having that really really good two headed running back situation. Um, you add in there the uh, 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 Kenyon Varner. Is that who it was? Who was the running the from from Oregon? Yeah, who, who who had their long touchdown this week for Tampa? It was one oh, of sorry, those uh, Gatback. Actually, I the, the, I didn't see the early games because I was losing. I was losing driving back from a uh, from Pittsburgh Ke- to Charlottesville. Keyshawn, but Keyshawn Vaughn, the the Vanderbilt <laughs> kid. I was gonna say Kenyon Barner from Oregon no. all those days ago. <laughs> no, it, it was a K that was in my head, but uh, hmm. he took a little uh, a little side pass, fifty five yards for a touchdown. 
um, as the backup running back there. So that they've got, they've got, you know, a wealth of talent back there. I mean, you can also considering that that's without Giovanni Bernard. Um, I, I think they're in good shape running backs wise, but yeah, uh, an unfortunate week not to have Leonard Fournette myself um, in, in my, my second league, I'm only in two leagues this year. My second league, uh, I was able to beat out uh, one Mike Barlow in the first round of our playoffs. Um, thanks in part to Ronald Jones, who I snagged off the waiver wires this week. Um, you know, got me a nice touchdown there. Um, so I, I'm in the championship round of that league. And in our championship round of our league, we have Jack, who is going for the three-peat. We've, we've not ever had back-to-back until Jack. And now we're going back-to-back-to-back. Uh, potentially for Jack. He is going up against Mike Barlow, um, who is going for his first crown since we've really had a quote-unquote competitive league, you know, the trophy era. Um, we increased it, made it a pay league and, you know, uh, actually had a pot to win. So um, Jack right now is the projected favorite, but Mike was the four seed, came in, knocked off the top seed. Uh, you cannot count him out. His team has something to play for. Jack's been here before. You know, it's just one of those. It's like uh, Alabama versus Georgia. If we see that, it it, it feels kind of like that game. Hey, you could say he goes back, Jack, and doing it again. Uh, yep, wheels Jack turning and round and round. Uh, and yeah, I, I really wish I could be part of that one day, part of a championship game. Uh, this is my twentieth year playing fantasy football. If you can, believe <laughs> uh, and I have not won shit. So, uh, so I don't know, man. I maybe maybe next year is going to be my year. Uh, at least for looking, I'm kind of doing a, a retrospective here. A couple more players I want to give a shout out to uh, that I, I'm glad I had on my team. Uh, a couple of wide receivers, T. Higgins, uh, who's emerged as uh, a legitimate receiving threat alongside Jamar Chase this season. Boy, the Bengals' offense is really humming right now, and, and also Van Jefferson, who stepped up a lot when Robert Woods was lost for the season in Los Angeles, and um, you know. Oh, the Odell Beckham trade has, or acquisition, I should say, has, yes, jury's still out on that. Uh, but Jefferson has emerged as a legitimate deep threat. Uh, we saw him score a touchdown against his dad uh, in a, in a yeah. his dad being a, a defensive assistant for the Arizona Cardinals a couple weeks ago. Um, and it helped that I had Matthew Stafford as my quarterback. So every time they linked up for a touchdown, I kind of got extra points. I didn't have a matchup this week, so I'm just going to have to talk about my other team. Um, it, it's a league that, again, uh, Barlow's in it. Um, I had James Robinson, who got me a fat point after he before he went on uh, injured reserve. But the uh, the the carry carries of the week for me, I call them my A Browns. I have Amon Ross, St. Brown, Antonio Brown, and AJ Brown. Um, all three of them put up more than 20 points for me this week. Uh, really carried me to the victory over Mike. Um, I, I needed it in a big way because my quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, didn't do too much. Um, DK Metcalf had a touchdown, didn't do too much. Cordero Patterson didn't do a whole lot. So those guys really carried the water for me on that team. It was nice to get AJ Brown back. It was nice to get Antonio Brown back. Um, and I'm hoping, I, I'm, I'm hoping the Browns finally win a Super Bowl. Boy, that'd be something, man. And that would make me feel really bad as a Washington fan. Because that's like, you know, the Browns and the Lions are the two teams that I'm like, okay, we are, I can confidently say we are less shitty than these franchises. Like, you can't say that about a lot of teams if you're, if you're a Washington fan. And I know Jacksonville has sucked lately, but they've gone to, you know, they've made playoff runs 
you know, they, they should have gone to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh, that, so, that's, I mean, that's playoff run to you, sir. Do, do not yeah. put an S on there where it doesn't. Well, well I mean, I'm, I'm looking back. I'm looking back in, a, you know, back to, you know, the two late 2000s where David Garrard had them in the playoffs uh, a couple of years in those Jack Del Rio uh, seasons. But but the point being, Washington, one of the lowest of the low franchises and to see the Browns win a Super Bowl would just that would break my heart. Yeah, I don't think the real Browns are, but the the the, the stack of a Brown that I have on my team, I think is going to take me there. Um, I, I've got I'm playing up against Nick Senzaprano, who is also in our standard league. Um, he he got knocked out this week uh, in, in standard, um, and I'm playing him in our uh, championship of the other league. He has led wire to wire, uh, re- really has not relinquished, has not shown a sign of weakness. Um, hasn't had to rely too much on pickups. He just drafted really well and has a stacked team. So um, I, I, I'm up against it, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't know how to take the projections right now. It's really hard with COVID. Um, I, we both talked just before this, uh, Senzo and I. We're both just kind of of the same mind. We we want to see both teams at full strength. I think that's what everyone wants for a championship game. That's what I'm hoping happens in our league, you know, the uh, between Mike and Jack. I hope everyone's at least at least not uh, having issues because of COVID. If you're having issues because of injuries, that's different. I just don't want any of these, you know, COVID designations to be the reason someone doesn't win in the championship round. So hopefully we've got a lot of this out of the way um, and we can have some clean football, some clean injury reports the rest of the way. Yeah, and for a lot of teams, this is that point in the year, both fantasy and real NFL, this is that point in the year where you're playing with a lot of backups anyway just because of injuries. And to have that compounded by COVID, which, you know, the Washington football team has really lived that life in the last couple of weeks, like, that makes it suck even more. Yeah, it's it's really it's really difficult from a fantasy perspective to get a grip on because you're just – you can't you can't really make waiver moves because you don't know who's going to – pop up until you know 11 45 on a sunday you don't know who's playing um for sure like this past week i had travis kelsey and he was just really considered a game time decision wasn't able to test out of the protocols thankfully i was able to win without him but you know going up against a champion you know the 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 top guy in our league i'm gonna need travis kelsey it's a championship game you you need every single good player you have because you know your opponent is is stacked as well yeah and like i said before i wouldn't really know a whole lot about this because i find myself ending up in the consolation rounds i can uh, i can get seventh place this week in our league with a win over chuba wamba who i beat a couple weeks ago um but I, I need like i said i need to do some juggling because Fournette out um i need to find a running back who will get me some points this week yeah I, i'm interested to see who pops out of the uh the woodworks it looks like there might be a an interesting opportunity in Philadelphia for some real Band-Aid running backs with like Boston Scott, um, if he's available. The, the the problem is our league is just so freaking cutthroat. The waiver wire is just it, – it, it's you, you're not going to use the guys who are there. Um, I mean, who, the best guy I want to say that's available is going to be that Ogumba Wale for Jacksonville, but – it's not even like they were doing that well with James Robinson. So how good can you expect Ogumba Wale to be? Um, there's just not a lot of meat on the bone in our league. We have some uh, some rules changes coming up that hopefully will modernize and freshen the league a little bit. So um, really looking forward to that. 
I had a I had a what I thought was a really decent year for where I finished. Um, and you know, hopefully I can continue it next year. Uh, I, I liked my draft strategy. Losing Derrick Henry just really kind of cemented my season. Uh, just the first series got hurt. It just wasn't. It wasn't meant to be. Some, sometimes it's just not to meant not meant to be. You know, Luke. Of course, you. Know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I actually, as as it happens, I went onto the waiver wire and who's at the top? AJ Dillon. There you go. I, he it won't reflect until tomorrow. But assuming nobody like ahead of me grabs him, then he's mine. So in real time, here I am improving my fantasy team for I think the last week of competition. There you go. Uh, snap. He 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 looks good. I know we've had some offline conversation about Jonathan Taylor and the Packers running backs, um, and you know my stance on AJ Dillon. So I think that's a fantastic pickup. Yeah, I like the uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Before we move on to the college football playoff here, they they bring it back, man. They're like a true thunder and lightning combo. Yeah, uh, for the Packers when they're on. I I really I've always really liked that uh that nickname for running back duos. I think it was originally a uh, Tiki Barber and Ron Dane for the New York Giants. Uh, about 20 years ago, but they're, they're kind of bringing that, that back, that contrast, that style. The first thunder and lightning that I think I was introduced to was Reggie Bush, Lindell white at USC. Um, still well, one of the all time greatest thunder and lightning uh, combinations. So, I, and that, that's actually kind of how I see this, this particular combo as well. I think that they're a very good comparison skill set wise to Reggie Bush, Lindell white. Um, it, it, amazing what they've done uh, with their offensive depth in Green Bay. Um, I, I'm fully convinced that Green Bay's second string offense would do as much or better than the Jags' first string offense. Yeah, yeah, we'll just have to see. I mean, it, it felt like the <laughs> season just started, and you know, here we are at week, week 17, which used to be the end of the regular season. Obviously, another another game uh, coming up uh, in the the second weekend in January. Um, but that won't happen before the college football playoff semifinals. You're listening to the right hash. Luke Dan Carney, Alex Thompson with you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki studios. Follow us on Twitter at the right hash. Uh, we've got our bowl competition going on right now. We're in the thick of it. COVID making things a little bit difficult. I'm actually not sure how that affects the, the picks that we've made or teams that have reassigned bowl games. Uh, I don't know if they'll let us pick those again uh, or whatever. But obviously, Alex and I are in it for the bragging rights. You guys are in it for the prizes. Um, so uh, I hope you guys did your studying for the college football playoff because that's also the tiebreaker of the championship game, uh, the score of the championship game, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes, the the score of the national title game is the tiebreaker for uh, the, the right hash bowl bash uh, contest. Yeah, so I started off pretty poorly. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give us a, a, a rankings update. We have uh, Kevin Walsh NFL sitting at 12 and five um, in the 99.6 percentile. So looking really, really good. We've got followed by go big red at nine and eight uh, Barlow's at nine and eight. Uh, Luke, you and I are tied at eight and nine with Connor Lilly. Um, we got JL down at seven ten, and then uh, our good friend, uh, loyal listener, Brent Schmetting uh, sitting at seven ten, but, uh, not, you know, the, the top guy up there, man, 12 and five, that's, that's, that's an impressive mark to be able to hit right now. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, first prize, uh, $50, I think, uh, like give visa gift card. Um, second prize, a food gift card to be determined. It's probably going to be Bojangles. We'll spoil it for you. Uh, but thanks <laughs> to everyone who participated and we still got a long ways to go. 
Um, but Alabama, Cincinnati, 3.30. Georgia, Michigan, 7.30 uh, in Miami. The Alabama-Clemson game is at uh, Uncle Jerry's House of Discount TVs, uh, better known as AT&T Stadium. <laughs> better known as AT&T Stadium in, uh, Before in we- Arlington, Texas. Before we hop into the uh, kind of our breakdowns, I do want to review with everyone, um, as I think it slipped under the radar for of a lot of people um, with Christmas coming around. They didn't really blast us everywhere either. So the CFP COVID game cancellation protocols are going to be as follows. If one team cannot play, the other team in the matchup will be deemed the victor and they'll move on to the national championship game. If both teams in a matchup cannot play, the other game is elevated to the national championship game. If one team in both matchups cannot play, the other two teams will play in the national championship game. If three teams in total cannot play, the one team that can play will be declared automatic national champion. And if all four teams cannot play on Friday, the games will be rescheduled. Other Outside of all four teams not being able to play, they are not rescheduling these games, guys. So get, get ready. Alabama's already started canceling some media availability this week. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's just precautionary, but always something to pay attention to, especially when you don't have any wiggle room now that CFP NCAA have established that there is no wiggle room here unless every single team is affected. So could be some drama here in the next couple of days. Keep your eyes peeled for that. But just wanted to get that out of the way before we go to, into our deep dive breakdowns. Yep. So, but it's going to be interesting to see. I know there's been COVID news on the Georgia side, um, you know, players. I don't know if players went home for Christmas for these before these games. My guess is yeah. probably they did. Yep. So I, I would, so, say, you I would know. say pretty much every school, no matter where you were going bowling or if you were going bowling, sent their kids home for Christmas. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a wild card now. Um, you're, you Huge might see some card. tests pop up in the next couple of days, but let's not think about that. We're, we at the right hash like to look on the bright side. And we know that these games are going to get played. And yep. as such, we're going to start with the uh, Cincinnati-Alabama uh, game, one versus four uh, at AT&T Stadium. Uh, I expect this one to be the higher scoring of the two games. Um, Bryce Young, I think, is going to be key number one uh, in this one. If Cincinnati can kind of contain him, uh, you know, they can keep him from doing too much damage. Uh, they're going to be, you know, that that's what they need to do if they're going to have a chance. Because um, if Bama's offense gets going, I, I don't really see Cincinnati's offense being able to consistently score against that defense. Um, and, you know, you, you hope it's not over early, you know, for enjoyment purposes. Um, but first time a group of five team is in the playoffs, so we don't have anything to go off of, really. And Alabama is Alabama. Yeah, and, you know, it, the the key to me is exactly what you just said. Um, keeping this a game going into halftime is pivotal for Cincinnati. Um, they have a very good defense. They're only giving up 3.3 yards per carry. They have two potential first round cornerbacks. Um, their, their defense is solid. Go back and watch the the tape they put up against Notre Dame. Um, an extremely, extremely solid underrated defense. Um, but Here's the key. The last five first-round opponents that Bama has played, they've outscored them 89-27 to in the first half. Do not be out of the game before it starts, especially against Alabama. That means your defense is going to have to come out awake against the Heisman Trophy winner. One thing that has broken Cincinnati's direction is that John Mechie 
got hurt against Georgia. He is not going to be here. So they are down to pretty much just Jamison Williams as far as high, high tier wide receivers. Um, you know, Bama, you know, replaces and refreshes every single year at wide receiver. But um, in this quicker turnaround, I'm really interested to see how they do that. Maybe it's uh, Slay Bolden. Uh, he he had a good game uh, against Georgia. Maybe that's where they stick. Um, but that that's that's the story to me, Luke, is can Cincinnati's defense come out, establish a tone, um, it, it erase probably some of their own, even if they say they're not worried, everyone in the back of their mind when they play Bama has that little voice in the back of their head that says, you don't belong here. And you need to get rid of that as soon as possible. We've seen them play against Florida. This is Alabama, I'm saying. Play against Florida, play against A&M, play against Auburn. If you punch them in the mouth, they have not handled adversity extremely well this year, like Alabama teams in the past. If you can give, if you can put doubt in the mind of Alabama, I think you have a real, real shot at winning this game. I'm not picking Cincinnati, but I, I can see the blueprint, and it's their defense. Their defense has done it all year, and I think it's possible for them to execute against this Alabama offense. Yeah, it's it's going to be t- uh, tough going to be a challenge. I'm actually looking at the, the numbers right now. I got them in front of me. Uh, Cincinnati allowing 305.8 yards per, per game. Alabama just actually allowing more yards technically, but it's basically the same. It's only 0.4 yards more at 306.2. Um, so yeah, it's almost like the Spider-Man meme with the, the two uh, Spider-Men yeah. pointing at each other. Alabama's offense outgaining Cincinnati uh, coming into this game, 495.5 to 428.8. Uh, but like I said uh, a few minutes ago, I expect this to be the uh, the higher scoring of the two games. Um, and who's a player? Uh, I, I kind of brought up Bryce Young. Who's a player on the Cincinnati side that you are going to be keeping an eye on in this one? So I've got I've got two on offense, two on defense. Um, oh, hit, yeah, just hit just hit me with them. This is yeah. a, this is free for all. On, on offense, obvious Des Ritter. Uh, guys had a great year. He's a great quarterback in my eyes. I think he's a a next level backup at the least. Um, and then Alabama transfer Jerome Ford, uh, I think is the other guy on offense to watch for Cincinnati. Great back. Just a, a really fantastic playmaker. Um, that That's going to be your duo that they need to get going early in that game. And on defense, keep an eye on Ahmad Gardner and Kobe Bryant. That's C-O-B-Y. <laughs> uh, uh, the, these are the two guys who are, um, on several uh, postseason All-American lists. Uh, these are the two guys who are projected to go in the first round, both at corner. Um, and when you have two extremely talented corners, that gives the rest of your your defense a little bit of playroom. It starts creating sacks. Um, it starts making the opposing quarterback a little bit, uh, I guess, indecisive with some of uh, the throws he's going to make. And especially them being down John Mechie. I think that this could be a stronger storyline than people are giving it credit. Um, but the, those are the two guys on defense, two guys on offense I'm looking at for uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, and I mean, needless to say, like every one of those players is going to have to have uh, the uh, the game of their lives probably uh, yeah. to, to, to Cincinnati pull off this upset. The, uh, the spread yeah. is Alabama minus 13 and a half, which I don't know, man. It, not to get too deep into this because I'm not a big gambler, but that, 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 that seems a little low. Yeah, well, when I when I was taking my notes, I think it depends on how you look at it as well. I saw that at 14. I expect that to move to 15 or 16. 
um, by the time the game kicks off because I'm I'm with you. I think it's a little low, but um, let, let's not forget that Cincinnati played Georgia this time last year, and it took everything Georgia had to beat that Cincinnati team, and that's basically the Cincinnati team we have now, except it's more experienced. Um, they're they're very well tested through adversity, so maybe it's not the craziest line. I know I know it just seems like it because of where I think everyone compartmentalizes a group of five team, and maybe Cincinnati just comes in and improves. That's where we should compartmentalize them. But I've watched them play against good teams, and yeah, they've played down to the level of their opponents in some cases, but they've played up to the level of everyone that they've had to as well. And I, that's leadership. That's coaching. That is just pure mindset. And I think Cincinnati has the mindset to stick in this game, me personally. Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, they didn't make this make it all this way for no reason. They didn't go into South Bend and give touchdown Jesus a big middle finger uh, and win against Notre Dame. Uh, they belong, man. And until until the game happens and Alabama proves us otherwise, they, they belong here. And they proved it this season, and the rest of the country didn't do enough to, to justify keeping them out. Uh, so – you know, I expect Cincinnati to come out really, really energized. Maybe like a trick play or two uh, early in the first quarter. Um, maybe to try and throw Alabama off a little bit. Um, if you're Alabama, you know, my, my old high school tennis coach used to say, dance with the one who brought you. They need to stick yep. to what has done, has, have, they have had success doing. Um, I think if Alabama does that and does what they do well, then this is going to be uh, a relatively easy second half, at least, uh, for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a that's a that's a great point on your behalf as well. Um, come come out, come out and be you. Like you like you said, you, you didn't get here by doing what other teams do. Um, let let Des Ritter be be your leader. No no need to do anything outside of character. What I, I you know, a throwback to our friend Miles Speed. Um, I could see this game turning out like that 2007 Boise State Oklahoma game. Uh, it, it just kind of has all the ingredients there for me for that to happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but a play here or there really getting the kids' confidence. I, I think that's that's a bigger part of this game than the the Jimmys and Joes as far as you know, just the plays that they're, they're calling, the talent, the skill difference. I think the biggest thing here is Cincinnati just needs to believe that they belong, and that's really the biggest opponent when you play Alabama. Alabama has great players, but the biggest hurdle to get over with them is mental. They know that they scare you. That they they know that. They feed off that. If you punch them in the mouth, they start to not believe in themselves and it gives you that foot in the door that you have to have in order to compete and beat Alabama. Um it, you look at how bad Florida turned out at the end of this year. They almost beat Alabama in week one because they did that. They didn't come out scared. Um, they were they were mentally ready to take it to Alabama, and Alabama was not ready. I think Cincinnati can do that same thing. I definitely think so, too. And we'll have this pick uh, after we talk about the, the Georgia-Michigan game um, in our Indies of the Week presented by Slim Suites. We'll also each reveal a game that we are looking forward to outside of the CFP, but from AT&T Stadium to Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. The Georgia Bulldogs at number three and the Michigan Wolverines at number two. Both these teams, 12 and one. Georgia, of course, coming off uh, that 41 to 24 loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Uh, Michigan on, on fire. They haven't lost uh, since that game against uh, Michigan State. Um, that 
they almost won really. Um, man, this is a really, really awesome matchup. I know we've talked in a previous couple of shows how cool it is that these two storied classic programs who haven't met in some 50 years, maybe 60, um, are meeting up here in a game so significant. Yep, that 1965 is the last time they met. Um, this is Michigan's first CFP appearance. They're coming off of their first Big Ten title since 2004, their first win over Ohio State since 2011. They have an absolutely stifling defense that is led by the extremely quickly rising Aiden Hutchinson. Um, he has jumped not not just jumped up draft boards, he has jumped up to potentially the number one draft pick this year and was included in the Heisman Trophy selection ceremony. Um, he has had a phenomenal year. He he looks every bit of, you know, he re, he reminds me of, uh, of, of the Bosa kids. Um, not so much uh, Chase Young. I don't think he's just like a finesse player. I think he is just a pure, brute pass rusher, and it's beautiful to watch. Um, so it, it's really, really hard to get a gauge on this game because still, still part of me just being where we live, being what we've experienced in the CFP, it's really, really hard for me to believe that the big 10 is real as far yeah. as comparison to the SEC. But then I watched the Bama Georgia game, uh, championship game. And I'm just like, I don't know if Georgia can compete with Michigan. And it feels so weird to say that after the regular season we had. Definitely. Um, you could make an argument that each team, it feels kind of like their year with the way Georgia played in the regular season and with how Michigan finished the year and how they're finally in the college football playoff um, all these years after it was instituted. Georgia, a seven and a half point favorite in this game at this moment. Um, but Michigan, you, you, you mentioned their, their pass rush. They're only allowing 194 yards. Uh, close to 195, actually, 194.7 uh, through the air. But they're also allowing over 100 yards per game on the ground, 121.5. And that's where Georgia's strength is. The Bulldogs are averaging 195 yards on the ground this year. So look for Georgia to hand the ball off, uh, pound, you know, pound between the tackles, uh, set up play action. Uh, and I think if Georgia's run game plays well enough, it might not matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, I... Mm, I don't think their run game is good enough to win a CFP game without needing uh, an actual quarterback. And th this is something, if you listen to the podcast, you listen to the right hash since we started, there, there have really been two things I've said about Georgia the whole year. A, expect Georgia to choke at some point. It happens. Um, and B, expect Kirby Smart to... O overcomplicate his quarterback situation, and it cost him big. Well, it's already happened. They already lost to Alabama. Luckily for them, it didn't actually wind up costing them anything. Um, but now you're sitting here. I, I think if you're Kirby Smart, you have to know that from a ceiling perspective, JT Daniels is your guy. You look at how he played down the stretch last year. There's a reason that he obliterated Stetson Bennett almost off the depth chart at the end of last year um, and really coming into this year. Took an injury on again. Stetson stepped back up. And really, Stetson was just the beneficiary of that amazing defense, just setting him up with great field position every time. That guy had literally zero pressure, you know, figuratively and um, and otherwise. There was no, uh, no, no, no pass rush came up against them. I don't think you really have any pressure to win because of their defense. 
And now you're sitting here looking across the field, and it's the Michigan defense. It's, okay, this is the best defense we've played all year. Yes, I'm including everyone they've played. This is the best defense Georgia's played all year. And I think they're playing it with a, a suboptimal quarterback. But you can't make the switch to JT Daniels now because he hasn't played. Um, so I think this is just another case of Kirby Smart being Kirby dumb. Um, no, no, no reason JT Daniels shouldn't have been playing about halfway through the year and getting ready for this because you, everyone knows he's the better quarterback. Everyone knows this. It, it's not yeah. a secret. I definitely uh, agree with that. And, and they they just I don't know they he Stetson Bennett played extremely pedestrian football against Alabama um, and I I don't think they have a quarterback they can feel comfortable with either way going into a do or die game like this maybe not you know I I I'll admit I other than the SEC championship game I didn't I don't think I watched a Georgia game start to finish I did see the Clemson game back at the beginning of the year um, when we didn't really know anything about anybody. Um, yeah, I, I definitely trust your analysis there as, as an SEC guy. Um, looking on the other side uh, on Michigan, much more balanced offense. They're averaging mm-hmm. uh, 228 yards on, uh, on through the air, 223 on the ground. Um, I think that's probably a byproduct of not playing in the SEC against defenses like that. Um, Cade McNamara, great name, by the way. Uh, kind of reminds me of Cade McNown. Uh, if you if you remember him from the NFL all yep. those years ago, um, the Cardinals, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but both these teams averaging up around forty points a game. Georgia thirty nine point four, Michigan thirty seven point seven. Georgia, of course, only allowing nine and a half points a game, which is remarkable considering that they gave up forty one to Alabama the last time out. Play this much, Michigan's schedule's tougher than Georgia's schedule. Yeah, I was I thinking think the same. I was honestly thinking the same thing. Michigan played against better defenses than Georgia played against. This is obviously the best defense that Michigan is going to have played against, but I think you take the Iowa team, you take Penn State, you take Michigan State, you take Ohio State. I think all of those defenses are reasonably matched with uh, the Clemson defense, which is probably the best defense Georgia played all year. I think that Clemson defense is a hair better than the Alabama defense. Um, Just a hair better, though. Um, So I, I, I actually think... This is the. It's such a weird feeling, but I, I just don't feel like the SEC team in this matchup is the favorite. I mean, I know they're the favorite because of their brand, but I just have a really hard time looking for a statistical reason to believe Georgia's going to win this game. I, yeah, I have not been able to find it yet. It's almost like you you kind of read my mind there because driving back down here to Winston uh, from home today, kind of getting ready for the show, uh, getting my head straight. I was thinking, you know, I'm kind of subscribing to the fact that this is Michigan's year. You know, they're they're for all for as much as you know, as much publicity as they get as you know, they're one of the top watched programs in tree. They haven't had relative success relative to the, the amount of attention that they get, but here they are finally playing in the college ball playoff. And I don't know, they you know, like they like you said, they have the potential number one pick in the the NFL draft this season. It really just feels like a team of destiny feel a little bit. Yeah, and I remember watching. I don't. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you have Amazon Prime, but they did an all or nothing on Michigan football three or four years ago. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the uh, Chase Vinovich was like their big guy on campus at that time. Um, so kind of right there in the middle of we don't know if John Harbaugh is going to make it. Um, you know, he, he's had some hit or miss games. The recruiting battles, he's lost a couple. But 
after watching that, you could see that he had he he had more than just the words culture. You know that that they weren't just lip service. They weren't just coach speak. You could tell in in the video in in the the docu series that he was actually kind of building something. And it's as much as I really don't like Michigan, it's kind of cool to see that taking shape now with all those guys who you know you, you've got you've got Cade, um, you have oh uh, man uh, Blake Corum, you got Hassan Haskins. These guys finally blossoming all at the same time. Defense. This defense has kind of come out of nowhere for me. Uh, you know they've had good defenses, but nothing like this it, since Harbaugh's been there. And yeah, it just kind of feels you know they win the Big Ten for the first time in seventeen years, beat Ohio State for the first time in a decade, first time going to the CFP. All of, all of this after a season in which they were talking about how do we get out of this lifetime contract with Harbaugh? You know, it, it, immediately after that. Is, is what he's doing now. It, it does feel like a team of destiny, Luke. And correct me if I'm wrong, but l- go all the way back to that crazy, crazy 2007 season. What kicked that crazy season off? The App Appalachian State. State beating Michigan. Yeah. And that's all that people have known them for, really, for the last yep. decade and a half. I mean, yep. it, it, it all goes back to that. Michigan has a golden opportunity, or a maze opportunity, I guess, uh, to uh, to <laughs> kind of erase that legacy uh, by going out and winning a national championship. Uh, I'm, I'm going to compare it to Virginia losing to UMBC uh, in 2018 in the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, and then they only had to wear that for one year before the Cavaliers turned around and won the championship in 2019 over Texas Tech. So Michigan, albeit in a much larger time frame, has a legitimate chance to do that. I, I agree. Um uh, I, I definitely agree. As as the the weeks have gone on, I've really come around to. I'm not going to make our pick here, only but maybe because I still, as of this moment, I, I'm still a little bit in the air of who I'm going to pick. Um, but I'm I'm really I, I'm in a much more pro Michigan space than I thought I was going to be when the, the top four dropped and, and the the playoff picture was announced. Um, after doing some digging, watching some of their games back. I know my, my, my uncle is a, a, a huge Dogs fan, um, so I, I hope that he can understand that I'm just looking at this from a an unbiased standpoint. I'm not looking at it from a Tennessee fan standpoint, but some of the things that I'm pointing out, I've observed while being a Tennessee fan and an SEC fan. So I just want to make sure everyone knows it's not biased, it's just, my experience with Georgia um, is why I've said a lot of the things, and experience with Kirby Smart um, is why I've said some of the things I've said across the season um, about Georgia. Don't get me wrong. Georgia's an amazing team. They have three All-Americans on defense, their own self. Uh, Nicobe Dean, uh, man, it, it really surprises me he's not a little bit higher on draft boards because that guy is a modern defender if I've seen one in, in college football right now. Nicobe Dean is an absolute menace. That being said, ten, starting at the Tennessee game, we put up 400 yards on them. We didn't really compete on the scoreboard, but we blueprinted how to attack the Georgia defense if you have the players to do it. And we blueprinted that. Alabama took that blueprint and hammered it home. The only problem there, I don't know if Michigan has an offense 
as explosive as Alabama. So I think this game is going to stay within striking distance for Georgia most of the game because I don't think Michigan's going to be able to run over Georgia like they ran over Ohio State. Um, so I, I think this is going to be an extremely close game. I think this is the better game of the two. Uh, and it, it, I don't know if it's going to be high or low scoring. I'm expecting it to be in like that 28-27 range. Like just a good old-fashioned football game. Yeah, I, I think so too. 20 to 17 is kind of the score. That's like the perfect football score in my opinion. I'm not saying that's going to be the score, but like this has a feel of, of that that maybe a late touchdown or field goal uh, on either side determines uh, who wins. Uh, but like I said at the beginning of, of this analysis, definitely expect the Alabama Cincinnati higher scoring um, given the, the two defenses involved in this game uh, in Miami. But I mean, let's just let's just go without further ado into our slim sweets indies of the week. And oh man, what games are we going to pick? Oh, oh yeah, we just we just talked about them. Uh, yeah, let's are there go any good to, ones this week? <laughs> yeah, just a few, just a few. Uh, let's go back to AT&T Stadium. First game of the day, 3.30 Eastern time kickoff, 2.30 local, if you're listening to this in the central time zone. But Alabama, Cincinnati, um, I think I, I, if you couldn't tell uh, from my, my portion of the analysis, I've got the Crimson Tide here. Uh, they're the Kings till somebody knocks them off. Uh, I don't expect that team to be Cincinnati. Um, maybe it probably won't be a, a whitewashing or a blowout, but I expect Alabama to pull away in the second half. Yep, I'm, I'm picking Bama as well. But I want folks to understand real quick that um, I, I, I'm not picking Bama because I think it's just a walkover game or, or that Cincinnati shouldn't be here because they're going to get walked over. I think Bama would walk over five and six as well. Notre Dame, uh, who was six? Oregon, was it Oregon this year? Ohio yeah. State. Um, what, what of those two teams was six? I think, I think Bama would, would run over all three of those teams. So Cincinnati deserves to be here. Cincinnati earned this spot. They weren't given it like, you know, a participation trophy just because you didn't lose. You know, they earned this. Off the back of that Georgia game in the Sugar Bowl last year to this point, they earned this spot here. I'm taking Bama. I'm taking Cincinnati to cover if the spread is 14 or larger. Um, I'll take Cincinnati to cover. But I think Bama wins this one w w without straining themselves too much. I don't think they're, they're going to try to kill Cincinnati. Yeah, I think you know, it seems like once they get a comfortable margin, um, I know there's more than the standard week in between uh, the semifinals and the final. Pardon me, I was drinking some coffee uh, to yeah, keep, my, keep me going after I've already had a long day. But um, yeah, I think you know maybe Alabama – you know, don't want to risk people getting hurt. Not saying they'll pull their starters or empty their bench or anything, but you know, we could see some little more vanilla play calling uh, if if they get out to a bigger lead. Um, so I think I we're, we're in agreement here. Uh, we, Alabama books a spot in the BCS National Championship game. Oh, sorry, the college football playoff National Championship game. We're dating ourselves. <laughs> the BCS. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> so, Luke, I, I, I'll throw this one to you. We're going to, to Hard Rock. Um, for Georgia, Michigan, um, kickoff again, 7.30 on Friday. Uh, that's carried on ESPN. Um, Georgia, Michigan, Luke, who are you going with? Man, I know I've got some really good friends involved in the Georgia Georgia broadcast team. I, got, I know you've got some family who are big dog fans. I'm still just going back to this team of destiny thing. Why not? Let's ride it. Michigan wins a close one, 24-21, uh, 20-17, something like that. 
Um, it, the game will be compelling throughout. There will be big hits. Uh, there will be you know turnovers. There will be missed field goals. There might be a blocked punt or two. This seems like one of those games where something wacky might happen and uh, and swing things in one team's favor. I think Michigan comes out on top in the end by a slim margin uh, and matches up against Alabama in a rematch of some bowl game from a couple of years ago. Was it the Citrus Bowl or something? That's a that's a that's a sweet pick. <laughs> um, I'm man, I, I'm still sitting here and my my head my head tells me Michigan but my gut tells me the SEC team. Um, and what do you say all the time when we're making food? Go with, you got to go with your gut. Trust the gut. Man. Trust the yeah, gut. You got to trust the gut. So um <laughs> and, and and to to end to end all of the the conspiracies about me just having it out for Georgia. I'm I'm picking Georgia. I think that their their defense is going to be good enough to give them the margin of error that they're going to need with Stetson Bennett. Um and I, I think James Cook is a really, really good running back. I think you brought up a good point about them being able to run the ball and how much they've run the ball this year. I really like their offensive weapons. They're getting George Pickens back. Um, he really hasn't played all year. He made one really hell of a catch in the SEC championship game, but they're getting a wrinkle to their offense back that they haven't had to display yet this year. So give me Georgia with the unknown in a very, very close 31-28 game. I think Georgia hits a game-winning field goal. That would be awesome if it came down to like the final play like that. That'd be I, really I, cool. I hope both these games do. I just hope every football game that my team is not involved in comes down to the last <laughs> Most definitely. And what fun would it be if we didn't dissent on at least one pick, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is It's the right hash. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes you're on the left. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, um, it's all about that getting on the right hash. <laughs> as, as the sheriff says, um, Manning cast coming up for the next Monday night football game too, by the way, I'm, I'm excited yes. for that. That's a couple. Glad back. to have them back. Um, but, uh, we're running out of time here. This is, this was always going to be a shorter episode. Cause like we said, this was a, this is a bit of a special, the college football playoff, uh, preview edition, but we're also going to talk a little bit about some other games. New year's day, of course, as always about college football. Um, and it's a Saturday, so it's going to feel natural. You know, it's going to feel, you know, all day college football Saturday, and then you got NFL the next day. It's going to feel almost like a regular weekend, except you're only going to have good games. You're not going to have crap. Yeah. Yeah. It, New Year's Day is insane. The, the, the five games they have on that day, should they all be played? I mean, wow. Wow. I mean, even for a New Year's Day set of games, I still say, wow. I just, I love the variety that's here. I feel like these are just a lot of matchups we have never seen before. Yeah, I, I think agree. that's the big thing here. You know, we have all of these conference, you know, ACC plays SEC, and you, you typically get some repeats a lot. Penn State, Arkansas, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, don't know. Iowa, Kentucky, we talked about this offline. I cannot wait to watch that game. It's going to be... It's going to be a 7-6 barn burner. I'm here for it. Utah, Ohio State, Baylor, Ole Miss. That's, that's the one I like. That's not the one I'm going to be highlighting, but that is a fantastic matchup in the Sugar Bowl. That actually is the one that I'm highlighting. Uh, so I'll go ahead and jump into it. Both of these teams fit into the same bucket to me. Um, sorry, guys. We're, we're starting our Slim Sweets. Uh, Indies of the week. Well, um, surprise Indies, the, really. Su the surprise Indies, yes. Um, they're really good teams. They're just not quite good enough to get over the top, but 
two top 10 teams, Baylor at seven, Ole Miss at eight, respectively, both with good offenses. I think both programs have swag. You know, forgive me for using that if you're a, a, a youngin and don't like it when uh, millennials use your words, but I think they just have swag. Oh, fuck um, that. Fuck that. Swag is our generation, man. We were saying that in college. Yeah, that I, that's, I, I, that's I, not a Gen, Gen Z so. doesn't get that one. That's all. I guess so. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, go go on. <laughs> but they, they they just have kind of this this fun air around both of those teams. I really like what Baylor has done this year. If it wasn't for the Utes, they, you know, who knows? Um, Kiffin has kept the wheels on amongst all the injuries he's had on offense. Um, this one is going to be a lot of fun to watch if it gets played. I'm taking. The Rebels. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the nightcap. That's, that's an 8.45 kickoff uh, in New Orleans. Sure is. local. Uh, we'll get all get warmed up all day for that one. It's like a pot of gumbo. You know, you leave it sitting all day, and then, then when the sun goes down, you dig into it and have a big feast. Uh, but I am going to go with a game that is earlier in the day, a uh, game that traditionally has kicked off before noon. I'm not exactly sure what time it starts uh, this year. Uh, but you mentioned Penn State-Arkansas. Uh, a fresh matchup, and it's actually a noon kickoff uh, in Tampa for the Outback Bowl. Um, seven and five Penn State, eight and four Arkansas, ranked number twenty-one. Uh, they're giving Penn State uh, on ESPN a fifty-nine percent chance to win this game to forty-one percent uh, for Arkansas. Sean Clifford uh, is—he's uh, a quarterback that no one can really figure out. He's had some injury problems this season. Yep. Arkansas in Vegas, for what it's worth, is a two-point favorite. But the most yep. important thing about this game. The Outback Steakhouse promotion, the free Aussie Tizer. And it's always the coconut shrimp or the blooming onion. And traditionally, if the Big Ten team wins, it's the coconut shrimp. If the SEC team wins, it's the blooming onion. And I want to apologize to my girlfriend and her family who are big Penn State fans. (laughs) But there is nothing I love more before a nice juicy steak at Outback Steakhouse than a blooming onion. I want a free blooming onion. Let's go, hogs. Woo, pig suey. Arkansas is going to win this ball game. That's a great one. A, a, a nice pick in the Joe Moorhead Classic. Uh, it's, it's amazing where Arkansas is now compared to where they were with Moorhead. Uh, also, I can say the same thing with Penn State. Um, that's going to be a great game. Re- real quick note back on mine, Ole Miss is one-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, like you said, Arkansas two-point favorites in the Penn State-Arkansas game. And these lines um, could change, you know, if COVID have you know, guys missed due to COVID, somebody has a last minute opt out. So as of this moment, uh, you know, four days before these games, those are the lines, by the way. Man, that's that's going to be such a good game. Yeah, we yeah. just never get to see that type of matchup. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And that's one of the great things about bowl games and really postseason college athletics in general. These conference versus conference matchups, you know, a private school from one conference, Baylor, playing, uh, you know, a state flagship public school. Uh, from another state, Mississippi, um, you know, Georgia and Michigan, two storied, ri- uh, not even rivals, two storied programs uh, that haven't played in uh, 56 years, uh, meeting in the semifinal and uh, everything in between uh, for, for that day, uh, New Year's Day. It's kind of like like an extra, and it's, it's an extra college football Saturday, but it's, it's all juiced up with these matchups. We don't have to pick this one, and we don't even really have to discuss the finer points of it, but I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens tomorrow, December 29th, in the Oregon-Oklahoma game. I, I can't put my – I can't wrap my head around what I expect from Oklahoma, and I think that's why I'm so intrigued by this game. Um, 
Oregon had some had two very disappointing losses to Utah this year. Really kept them out of the out of the the top four. Um, and everyone knows what happened with Oklahoma. Oklahoma what and Lincoln Riley they were the news for almost an entire straight week of the coaching carousel. Um, that that one just has all kinds of interesting under undertone storylines there. I'm really interested to watch that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> you'd think they'd be meeting a little bit later than than you know two days before New Year's Eve um, with the way those two teams played this year. But these were teams yeah. we talked about a lot on the right hash uh, in previous episodes during the regular season, and here they are. You know, it's uh, UO versus OU. I, I like it and contrasting colors. As well. <laughs> this is probably this is probably going to be a great uniform matchup with Oregon with the the Funyuns color scheme, and then Oklahoma with the cream and crimson. It's going to look real good. Um, but yeah, it's a an honorable, good honorable mention there for a, a surprise indie. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know who I picked in that one. I don't know who I would even pick right now. Um, but that that one's just going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I I can't wait for Saturday, man. I can't wait for all of it. Um, we really hope that COVID stays away and the college football season finishes with a flourish. And uh, really, really, and like we said, you know, this uh, this episode uh, not quite part of our. Roman numeral series on the right hash, uh, the college football playoff preview. We wanted this to stand alone a little bit. Uh, next week, we will return to normal segments. We've got a great grinder uh, segment uh, for um, for next week. Uh, I believe top five sports bucket list items uh, given to us by Mike Barlow. Um, and uh, hopefully, we, we don't know yet. We'll try to book a guest. We'll see if uh, we can get a guest on. But um, well, this it, nice, nice jump, kind of jumping out of our, our normal routine here. Well, because we've got anything but normal this this college football weekend. Yeah, and we've got college football every day until what Monday, Tuesday. Oh, I think sun, Sunday, right? No, nothing on Sunday because because of NFL. Oh yeah, sorry, dude. I am so backwards <laughs> on a Saturday. Yes, yeah. Saturday, Saturday, New Year's. Um, you, we got football on the whole week until Saturday, and then of course, you know, we haven't even touched. NFL, which we could do a whole nother primer on just what happened this week alone. Um, as I'm sure, Luke, you could do about an hour-long hot box after what happened yeah. to you over the weekend. So No we'll, doubt we'll, about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that there. Uh, just want to say, you know, happy holidays to everyone. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Thank you for all the support you've given us, all the listens, all the feedback you've given us. Um, it, it's It's been a, a lot of fun doing this with, with you, Luke. You know, having this as our kind of a new thing we do this year looking forward to continuing this in the new year i'm really really excited as much as i love football as much as we both love football i'm excited to see what what the right hash looks like once we delve into the other sports um yeah we're, we're have some interesting new type of guests on here uh and just really nothing but excitement on my end for you know the, the new year the new right hash the, the new year right hash um and, and what it holds in store for us yeah, it should be a, it should be jam packed, as they say um, here on the right hash. And if you haven't already, go ahead, give us a follow at the right hash. Send us a message with something you might want us to talk about on a future show. We are, as I say, every episode, a show of the people. Alex, thanks a lot for joining me today. Um, and thank you, as always, the most to the listeners uh, tuning in to this episode. We hope you have a happy new year. We hope you had a great Christmas holiday if you celebrate. Hope joyous Kwanzaa to those of you who celebrate and um, looking forward to the best holiday of them all college football bowl season continuing as we say goodbye here on the right hash you want to get down tell me what you gonna do 
Do you wanna get out? 